You are listening to Let's Talk Shop, produced by Smackna and hosted by Angie Simon. Let's Talk Shop is an ongoing podcast series where sheet metal contractors discuss important topics and trends related to their business. And now, Angie Simon. Hey, everyone. This is Angie Simon. I'm the president of Western Allied Mechanical and actually the president-elect for National Smackna. And I'm thrilled to be hosting this podcast with my good friend, Joseph Lansdale. Joseph's the president of Pointer Sheet Metal, and I'm really excited to have him on board today to talk to us. Joseph, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm pretty excited about this. This podcasting thing is not anything new, but it's new to me. So hopefully I don't uh, cause it a big stir in the industry with what I say today. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about yourself and about Pointer Sheet Metal. So Angie, I, you know a little bit about our company, but uh, we are a straight line sheet metal contractor, which I know our, our guests probably understand what that means, but that means that we don't do the wet side. And we are located just south of Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, we s- service the entire state of Indiana, uh, but also our geographic reach is uh, primarily in the Midwest. So Ohio and Kentucky and Indiana. We do uh, travel quite a, quite a ways away from our home state when a customer asks us to follow them. Most of the time that's with the automotive industry um, or in, in specific key, key clients. Um, we have a really neat shop here. Uh, uh, fabrication, I think is what we're gonna talk about today. And right. we, we love our shop here. We built it in 2015, moved in in 2015. It's 105,000 square feet, uh, ready to expand and uh, going to be expanded in this next year, another 55,000 square feet. Wow. That's amazing. I've been in your shop. I can't imagine it being, that's almost uh, that's another 50% more. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. And it's specifically to what we're going to talk about today. And that's the prefabrication world. Yes. So we asked you, Joseph, to talk on this first one because prefabrication is the new buzzword for the industry. And, um, and, and actually we're, the industry needs to go forward with that because it's a big part of where we're going. So let's talk about that a little bit. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing with prefabrication? Yeah. So it, you know, it's everything from, uh, the single trade, which is what sheet metal contractors have always done. We've, we were the only trade that did prefabrication, right? We, we talked about that for years is we don't go to the hardware store and buy conduit and we don't go to the supply house and have copper delivered. We actually make the product we install. Uh, other trades are starting to catch up with that. They, while they're not making their raw goods, they are prefabricating in their shop to save labor. And that's what most of the people in the industry call single, single trade prefabrication. Um, then you have your multi-trade prefabrication, which would be a lot of people would recognize that as your, your multi-trade racks that would go into a hallway or a corridor. Um, you're seeing that venture out a little ways from just a corridor prefabrication. Um, but that would be where multiple trades would come together in a manufactured type setting and fabricate uh, items that would go in a modular type construction. And then you have, yeah, go ahead. Many of our, many of our SMACNA contractors are mechanical contractors mm-hmm. as well, like myself. Sure. And that multi-trade, even in a simple vein, right. we do, we do that where we basically will fabricate um, prefab our VAB boxes with our fittings on each end. We pipe up the coils ahead of time and have right. them all set to hook up in the field. So on a small vein, uh, even the smaller mechanical contractors can do that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we even have, uh, we struggle, we're struggling with it because it's not part of our culture just yet. 
but um, we do not send a piece of five foot ductwork out of here without a fitting on it. If it has a fitting, um, it goes. It goes on the end of a, a piece of duct. It's just that simple. You could start with that in prefabrication in a sheet metal only shop. You know, don't send end caps out anymore. Send end caps on an end of duct. It's that simple. Those little things, and, and while it doesn't seem like a lot, uh, just with what we've went um, into in the last, you know, 15 years, I'll maybe shorten that runway up a little bit and call it 10 years with the blue plastic, the coverings that we put on all the ends of the duct. Why not put the end cap on? Why not eliminate, if you put a transition on a jointed duct, you're eliminating a couple ends of plastic for uh, the joint as well as that transition. And just that economics makes sense. And then, you know, in that single trade uh, prefabrication, we're, we're doing the same thing, Angie. We're putting the transitions on the VAV boxes. We're putting a first few joints on. We're testing. We're sealing. We're, we're doing all that stuff uh, right here in our shop. And then the last step, the, the next progression, would be what the industry experts call volumetric or modular. And that would be your bathroom pods, your headwalls in um, hospitals. It could be everything from a data center room, a, a small data room. Uh, we fabricated here uh, in the last two years. Can't speak great de- detail of it, but we took uh, shipping containers and fabricated labs in shipping containers. Wow. Yeah. All right. Very interesting. It, it, it's very much interesting. And um, it really is something that you, you've you got to start thinking about what can we prefabricate? What can we do to eliminate an extra handling of a piece of material? Uh, what can we do to eliminate a mistake in the field? All that has to go into play. And the reason you want to, we want to do this is because of a number of things, but for one, like in my shop, my shop average wage rate is less because uh, I definitely staff my shop with a variety of apprentices and different level of of dirty people as well, but also a safety issue in the shop as well. Right. Right. So yeah, you've got the labor shifts, which I think most of us have a, a more competitive rate in the, in the shop than the field. That's general sheet metal 101. I think that's pretty common. Uh, you've got a safety aspect. You have a repeatability in your shop that you don't see in the field. There's too many variables. Um, and you hear it, you hear it from your field folk all the time. Why did you bid it this way? (laughs) Well, we don't know all the variables that happen on every job. And I've always said job sites have their own personality. Each one is, there's never two jobs the same, even if you have the identical buildings being built. Um, your shop, on the other hand, is pretty repetitive. The environment should be relatively the same. A lot of times you have the same people coming to the shop on a day-to-day basis, year after year. Uh, They like the shop. They want to work in the shop. It's not a big turnover of people. And so your crew consistency and that personality stays the same. So just from those two aspects, it it definitely makes a big difference. The other thing I noticed, um, Angie, is I've attended several conferences on prefabrication. And I noticed that um, what, you know, what's driving prefabrication, people say, well, it's elimination of labor. And it really isn't. It's just a shift of labor from the field to the shop. And what I noticed, and this is just my own opinion, I think it's geographic. I think it's a geographic um, result. And meaning, what I mean by that is uh, the cities, the big cities, like you're in a large city. Right. Um, in Seattle would be a good example. Chicago near me. 
Uh, New York would be another great example. Getting materials to the job site is such a hassle. And, and the times that you can load and unload, some cities even have certain times that you can uh, arrive with materials that you're allowed to deliver. Uh, that's a geographic re, um, cause of why somebody would shift to prefab. And I've seen, so I've seen the larger cities probably more on the cutting edge of it than a relatively flat environment like we have in the Midwest that doesn't have a, multi, a lot of multi-story buildings. And then the other thing is it's geographic in the fact that I think it's a result of some labor shortages. Yep. So yep. labor, labor shortages um, in the, you know, the, the Sun Belt and the Southeast um, with a lot of growth in manufacturing in the Southeast specifically has caused people to prefabricate. You know, we were we were together when we were watching a video, I think, shared by one of our peer group members um, who was in the New Jersey, New York area. And weather can really affect the job sites a lot. And, he, and they and what they did there actually was rented a warehouse down the road from where the job site was. Right. And they actually put steel framing for the shafts together in that warehouse. They had every trade come in. They laid the ductwork, the piping, uh, the fire sprinkler, everything that goes in that shaft riser was done on the on the ground. At, at an easy level in a dry, warm environment. And then they took these and put them on, were they maybe 20-foot semis, I think, that they yeah, 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 20-foot semis that they shifted. And then they rigged those up and put them into place. And um, it was really quite impressive. And uh, besides probably saving a little bit of time, but more than that, it was a much, much safer environment and in a nice, warm environment. And the, and they made sure that nobody got hurt doing it. And it was quite impressive. Yeah. And we, we've done some things recently, you know, how many times have we sent risers out uh, in a vertical shaft environment and put those together piece by piece by piece. Right. Yeah. And just this past month, we, we ended up taking an entire riser uh, of grease duct, welded it in our shop, tested it, had the authority that was over the testing the, I, I, for, I think it was a building inspector, had them to our shop, um, had them inspect here in our shop, and then we fire wrapped that, uh, had a subcontractor come in fire wrap. We didn't do it ourselves. And we built in some rigging and we lifted that riser like it was a crane pick. Wow, great. It, it saved just a ton of time in the field. It was a safer setup for all our field workers. It was, um, we were done in less than two hours with a riser that would have taken us multiple weeks. And uh, just just the savings alone from our crew rate from our shop to our field had to had to be a huge benefit, right? So. Particularly on the welding side, exactly, right? Exactly. Well, you know, we recently had the Australian mechanical contractors visit the Bay Area before they went over to the MCA convention. And I was talking with a number of them and the larger contractors there are doing a lot of prefabrication as well. And they pretty much have said it is the way to go in the future. And they see it being done in Australia a fair amount. But again, on the larger size and the, the key here on this podcast, I think, is for us to talk about. And we've shared a little bit that it doesn't have to be just the biggest contractors that are doing this. It does not. It, you know, a lot of times. Uh, the smaller contractor, I think, uh, feels like th that there's things that don't fit them. I just a little bit about my background. I started uh, in the trade because my dad owned a very, very small shop. Uh, ultimately, went to work for another smaller shop after my dad's business closed. And um, I just kind of relay back to that in my mind of what we used to do. We used to put all this duct work together in the in the shop and have it laying all over the floor. And it really wouldn't have taken any more space to put a few of those joints together or a joint to a transition or um, build 
the VAV box assemblies together right there. It really didn't take that much more space and actually would have reduced um, handling in the field considerably. Yeah. Instead of moving a hundred pieces, you might be moving 20, those kind yeah. of things. Right? Well, in Western Allies, uh, we were here in Menlo Park, which is the heart of the Bay Area, right by Facebook. And and dollar property is a, a value to everybody right. around here. And I have a very small, you have a hundred almost 150,000 square foot shop now. And I've got a 15,000 square foot shop and a portion of that's my piping shop. So we have to be very productive in our small area, but we can also work outdoors a lot as you you can't as much as we can. But yes, even, even in a small shop like that, utilizing the prefab and sending out a, 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 you know, our stake bed, our long stake bed or a, or a flat bed with our long mains. And then we just rig them up into place. It makes it go up much quicker. Um, like you said, our job sites are pretty much just in time deliveries and right. what you put on the floor that day, you have to have up in the air that day. So it certainly helps when you have a long a mains put together already. So the buy-in is the tough part. The culture of your company is the tough part. You, you really won't find the other trades or perhaps a construction manager that will fight you on prefabrication. Um, what happens normally is that old adage of somebody's trying to take labor away or take work away. Um, we, when we started doing this, there was some pushback a little bit, just, you could tell people really weren't buying into the overall concept of shop prefabrication. Now we're putting that into the hand of our foreman and allowing them to pick what what and to what extent we do prefabricate. And once they start getting in on board with it, they realize they, they've got more job satisfaction, that the job is going in easier. And with technology today, with the Revit models that we're doing and the 3D modeling and, and with the software that's out there, I'm not sure if you're very familiar with some prefabrication software that goes into the Revit bot models, but it allows you to spool uh, and create, you know, pictures of what's going to be built, not only for your shop work, but in the field. And it just goes together so much better. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it definitely on your job sites, um, having access to, um, having, having access to longer runs. And now are you pre-insulating a lot of these runs? Like you said, you did that for the grease duct. We did, we did for the grease duct in our environment. We don't control the insulation. We're um, as straight line contractors, we're subcontractor underneath the mechanical. Oh, okay. Generally the mechanical contractors carry the insulator. It, it varies, but on a given year, I bet of the insulation that goes on our ductwork, probably pointer, only controls 15% of those subcontracts. Okay. Well, from my point of view, I can see us, we would want to bring in our control sub and have them put the their controls on our boxes in our shop. Sure. We would like to have our mains pre-insulated if we could, because I do think their environment would be better there as, as well. Right. A lot of that would be, would be, would work really well. So it's just a matter of coordinating as a mechanical contractor. I have that bandwidth to be able to coordinate that. And it just takes a little extra coordination up front, but I think it's like you said, the job install goes much faster. Well, I think we're putting so much stock into the upfront um, of the life cycle of a project anymore. Um, I always explain to my PMs that haven't been doing this very long. It used to be, we would bid a job and nine months later we might see the building come out of ground out of the ground and we might three months later. So a year after it bid might get on a project site. That's a little bit stretched out, but not too far. Nowadays we we're bidding a job as the steel's going up. 
Yep. Yep. Or or we're awarded the job the same week they top out the project. Yeah. So everybody and, and the neat thing about that AG is you, we all lo- love it is they never move the end date back, right? No, it, never. It's the same. So with that said, we have to get smarter about how we do things. And the old way of doing things piece by piece by piece really doesn't mesh well with the environment we're working in nowadays. So we have to be able to somehow what, while I don't think it really shaves completely shaves time off the job, it shaves time off on the job site. It's, Absolutely. Yes. yes. They can't see what you're doing at your shop and they don't realize how much you're putting together at your shop. And, right. and, and sometimes I think for us, we work hard on trying to say, well, let us get our mains in first. And ideally as a design build, if I can get my mains signed off and agreed upon, and then I designing the rest of it, oftentimes I can start fabricating mains before I've even designed the rest of my job. Right. So that when, when they say we are allowed to step foot on that job site, my mains are now ready to be delivered because I put them together in my shop. Mm-hmm. So it makes it go much quicker. It's a, it's a mindset shift uh, where in the past we wanted to start from X and go to Y. And sometimes now you have to start at X, go to Y, then come back to X and do the low pressure or do the right. branch runs where it might be a little bit different. But if you've already, if you elevate this and, and start testing those mains in the shop and the, the inspectors get used to that and everything's fine, uh, it just makes everybody's life so much better. Well, and as you said, as, as the world goes faster, modulization, the large contract and the large modulization type projects are going to be very, very much in demand because it can get a building built in a much quicker time frame. So the minister of Singapore, uh, minister of construction for Singapore spoke at a conference I was at last month. He stated that Singapore had 0% prefabrication four years ago. So turn the hands of time forward to, to present day, they currently are 40% prefabricating buildings. Wow. They've built a 40-story building, prefabricated modular, um, out of concrete too. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do precast. They, they don't like drywall in Singapore. He said they don't like the, the noise of the wall. They want to hit a wall and feel, feel it solid. Their culture's that way. They currently have, a, I think it was a 57-story building that's going up right now. And their goal is to be 70% prefabricated on projects by the uh, next three years. Wow. And, and thinking that's concrete as well. I mean, that's a big difference than our drywall and steel that go up so much faster. Right, right. That's incredible. It is. So, yeah, you can really open your mind up. That's what Pointer's starting to do. And we're that's why we're expanding our building specifically to the modular construction side. Um, and we are going, uh, going to venture into uh, that world of b- building the, the what I call bathroom pods, so when something leaves here, it will be completely finished, um, commissioned. That's another thing, the, the quality level. In manufacturing, we're dealing with plus or minus, you know, um, 30 second of an inch. Uh, on the job side, it, it might be plus or minus a half inch. Right. So the, the level of quality that you can obtain in a controlled environment, uh, you can have uh, everything from the bathroom fixtures to the tile complete on the job site, ready to, it just drops into place. And that's where we're headed. And all the trades are coming into your shop to do that, to put that together. Uh, We are um, currently trying to work all that out. Uh Um, We believe that's probably going to be done in a manufactured setting with a multi-trade agreement. Okay. We're not completely sure. Well, 
You know, that is the future of, of our industry. I mean, I think prefabrication is a big part of the future of our industry. And I think the owners are going to drive it that direction. Don't you agree? I, this, everything's owner driven always has been, um, go back, roll the hands of time back 30 years and safety and drug testing policies were owner driven. Right. So I believe this is owner driven in the conference I attended every place that had major success with prefabrication. It was an owner's desire to change how they were doing things. Yep. And uh, that that's the key is you have to have owner and design professional buy-in that right. this is going to be a new way. So, so if you're not thinking about prefabrication now, you should start thinking about that because that is the direction the industry is going to go. And, and hopefully um, this 20 minutes of time here with Joseph talking about prefabrication is something that can give everybody a little idea of where they need to, where they need to uh, get better at it so that they can go forward with our industry. Joseph, it's been great talking to you today. Thank you very much. Yeah. Was, uh, I'm glad, I'm glad uh, that you invited me. Um, if I was to leave with, uh, leave the, the crowd here with, uh, hopefully we have a crowd, Angie, maybe <laughs> just the two of us and our families listening to this in the future. Um, but if I was to leave a contractor with one word of advice, it would be just start, do something, start small, uh, put that end cap on, uh, join a duct, put that transition on that VAV box and start developing a little bit of understanding on prefabrication. In the long run, you'll benefit, your jobs will benefit and your employees will benefit. Exactly. I mean, very much. Well said, Joseph. Well said. All right. Well, thank you very much and, um, and enjoy this. And, and please listen for our next one. And uh, our next topic will be out here shortly. Thank you very much, Joseph, and have a great day. Thank you. Let's Talk Shop is brought to you by SMACNA, the Sheet Metal and Air Conditioning Contractors National Association. For more information, visit smacna.org.